Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. What is up on a Friday? I'm Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Friday, December, whatever the hell it is. So it's December 6th edition of, <laughs> of the Rebel Report podcast. Um, it's Mailbag oh, Friday. Off to a roaring Yeah. Oh, uh, no. If you're unfamiliar with this show, I basically fumble for the date pretty much every time I look for it, and I just kind of fumble around on my watch, which is accurate like half the time because whenever you get a 30 or 31 one day, I rarely change it back because I'm lazy, and then I hit my phone. But I rarely get the date right on this show. But it is uh, Mailbag Friday. It is a people's holiday. We will be answering your mailbag questions. I'm sure none of them are related to the coaching search. Um, get into that. Make some picks. I don't have Greg's picks. I'll put those out on Twitter or something later. That's literally just an oversight by me. I kind of got caught up in some other stuff last night and literally just forgot to text Greg. So uh, if you're looking to make some money, just do the opposite of whatever we pick. Um, what's up? Not a whole lot, man. Spent uh, most of my night last night trying to talk to anybody I knew, trying to see if I could get any insight onto how that... I think it's more than an interview, right? Because if you get down the path of getting in an airplane and meeting a coach somewhere, you've gone past the air quotes interview stage, right? I mean, that's really how that works. It's not like Keith Carter randomly just called Lane Kiffin and was like, hey, I'm going to come stop by and see you. Like, there are conversations and stuff that go on long before you hop on an airplane and fly to Boca Raton, Florida to meet with the guy face-to-face. Like, maybe that was, like, the actual formal interview, but that's definitely not the first time they've talked about the job. But spent most of my night last night talking to people. I was even on that Flight Tracker website, which really... All that is is just fun. Like, if you're looking at Flight Aware actually trying to get real information, uh, God bless you, because you're not going to get anything real on there. But stayed up, tracking flights, talking to people, trying to figure out if the interview went well, if it didn't go well, if Jimmy Sexton was on the plane, and as it turns out, he definitely was, how long they were in Boca, all of that good stuff. That kind of stuff is fun for me. So even though I was up, and I was on dad duty anyway, so I had to be up regardless. Um, passed the time a lot better while my uh, my kid was drifting in and out of sleep for six hours last night. So, uh, yeah, I'm exhausted but kind of fired up at the same time. Yeah, I uh, I spent about, uh, I guess, two hours kind of doing the same thing. But my girlfriend is in town because we have a wedding this weekend. And so it passed about like 8 o'clock when um, – I kind of figured and was told that really not a whole lot was probably coming significant that evening. And then, of course, I, I don't know where it was first reported, but obviously it, it, they were in Boca Raton last night interviewing Lane Kiffin. Uh, as far as that, the what you were talking about at first, I think that's probably true, but I think it's just like any other job in any other industry. Like when you go interview somewhere, like you've obviously made some kind of round of preliminary cuts or you've talked to him before or they've, you've talked to them about your resume or anything like that. Obviously, that's not exactly how this works in, in collegiate football. But, yeah, sure. I mean, if you're going to do the interview, that's not the first time you talked about the job. But does that mean you have the job? Of course not either. So I don't know. I, I, but at the same time, we're kind of in the back 
to the same pattern that has kind of been the thinking that if you've read Super Talk Mississippi or I'm sure anywhere else all week, that anyone around the thing has told you it is uh, it is pretty much they're kind of waiting on Norvell to give an answer, and this is probably not getting it solved through the weekend. Or t- I say through the weekend. This is probably not getting solved before or late, late Saturday night or early Sunday. I mean, that's, where, that's back to where you're at, aren't we? Pretty much, yeah. And I, I have a feeling, and this is kind of loosely sourced, connected to people at Ole Miss, that they're, they expect some kind of resolution today that may not go public, if that makes sense. So we won't know anything until this weekend, but they very well could get an answer on Norvell by the end of the day today. We just won't know it. It won't go public, but... They're trying to get that resolved so they can go down the road of guy number two, which is Lane Kiffin. Yeah, well, that's kind of the thing there, right, is that it, you're talking about the answer and it not going public. Well, I, I think it's pretty clear at this point, based on anything um, kind of that has been floated out there, that it you, you know what the answer is going to be. So it's kind of just like the official word to move on to candidate two, because, I, I mean— it, it seems like he is headed to Tallahassee, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, the percentage of chance that Mike Norvell ends up at Ole Miss would be what? Like less than 10%? Yeah, I was going to go five. Does that sound about right? It, it just it doesn't sound like that's where it's going to end up. And, and it's not worth anything, but everybody, like just friends that are Ole Miss fans, not like people that work at the school, everybody I talk to on that side of things would rather have Lane Kiffin anyway. And maybe that's stupid, but it certainly is not going to have the feeling of this was our number two guy, and we're okay with it. Wish we would have gotten number one. His reception and his um, energy that he will bring will feel like it was the number one guy all along. Yeah, Lane Kiffin is like the internet martyr that everyone under 30 wants. Um, Yep, (laughs) pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, Although I did uh, got sent uh, a couple of text messages last night. My buddy's dad is in an Ole Miss fan group message. They're all in their 50s and 60s, and every single one of them was like, hell yeah, give me Lane Kiffin. Yeah, I know we talked about this on the show yesterday and then on Wednesday's podcast is I think where the conversation originally stemmed from. But the uh, the, I guess, kind of age demographic, whether like – with and how it relates to your feelings on Kiffin is interesting to me because all the young people want him because he wears sunglasses and cool suits and goes to bars under fake names and stuff. And then some of the older people are obviously probably are not on the internet and probably more so remember him for like I mentioned yesterday, Al Davis spending forty five minutes just calling him a liar um, as he <laughs> fired him with cause from the Oakland Raiders in two thousand and eight. Uh, I, I don't know, but I'll, hey, I don't know the Lane ended up being on the, the right side of that thing, though, because also in that letter, aside from Al Davis saying, I know you didn't want Jamarcus Russell, uh, get over it because this team can win. Apparently, Al Davis also did not want D'Angelo Hall, and Lane Kiffin did, and they signed him for a year and cut him, and then he went and had a great career in Washington. Oh, they did, and I, I, what I was about to say was I, I, I don't know the overlap to this podcast to the radio show. I imagine it's, it's somewhat decent, but, but yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, but what I was saying was yesterday, I know I said this on the show, but I spent an, literally an hour watching the entire press conference in 2008 when Al Davis fired him, and he read the entire letter to the media that was that were gathered there, 
So like before he even took any questions, he basically issued a brief statement and it was like, now I have this letter, uh, which by the way, Lane says we haven't talked in uh, a couple months. I know he's been telling you guys that, but here's the letter I gave him after the Denver game, which I think was like week two, something like that. doesn't matter. But yeah, he went into that. He went into D'Angelo Hall. Uh, there were three or four more uh, that Kiffin had spent like the, like basically the last two weeks bashing personnel decisions in the uh in the press, and there were three or four more guys that they disagreed on. It was honestly pretty wild. If that had happened in the age of the age of the internet, we would still be talking about it today. Go back and watch it on YouTube if you uh, if you get bored today. It is uh, it's pretty insane. You're watching a billionaire spend 45 minutes at a firing press conference just calling this guy a liar and firing with cause. Like at one point, he said, "I called Lane and told him he was no longer the coach, and I was firing with cause." And Lane's response was, "So that means I don't get paid?" And he said, "That's what I'm telling you." So. Anyway, point being, I imagine the older people probably remember him more for that. Whatever he's you a make polarizing him. guy, if nothing else. Yeah, but I think he's grown up. I think most of the growing up started probably when he got canned at the tarmac on the tarmac at LAX. Uh, if I remember that correctly, no, no, it wasn't LAX because they were coming back from a road game, or maybe it was. I don't remember. I think it uh, was when they landed in Los Angeles. Maybe that's what it was. Uh, I think that's probably when he hit rock bottom and most of the growing up started. I'm not bringing up the Raiders thing to say that. I'm not for or against Lane Kiffin one way or another. I don't particularly care one way or another. I think it'd be exciting as hell. Um, it'd be fun to cover. But I uh, I just say all that to say it's an interesting, the, the kind of age divide there. But now I think it's kind of a wait and see thing. I, people aren't going to like this, but I, I, I'm still a little hesitant to think Keith Carter actually pulls the trigger on this. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the pressure he's faced this week, which I think is definitely there and definitely real, to at least to consider Lane and to hire him. Um, maybe that sways hit like Lane into the, uh, I guess, co-pilot seat in terms of option number two. And Norvell says no. Maybe not. I don't know. It just seems like to me, uh, from everything we'd heard at the beginning of the week, he preferred a Napier or a Drinkowitz type over Lane Kiffin. Maybe he's been convinced. Maybe that's changed. I have no idea. I'm just, I, I guess, I'm just throwing that out there. But again. Like last night I got four or five texts that were like, do you think something's getting done tonight? And I'm like, no, like I think last night, like, and, and to be fair, one of the guys that texted me was like, there's a weird vibe to it out there. And I was like, I, I actually kind of feel that too. I'm not discounting that, but that seemed to be more like just a Shiano like groundswell on Twitter, which, um, you know, as, as great as that is, Twitter doesn't really have any uh, effect on coaching searches or coaching hires. I guess I should say very rarely until Clay Travis gets involved, but like, that was kind of to me. That was more the internet wanting it to happen than there actually being any groundwork um, or anything actually happening that would actually be done last night. Obviously, they were in Boca interviewing him, but the odds of that being done and him being the coach today, I would say, were always just comp- completely unrealistic. Yeah, but they definitely got answers. I, yeah, yeah, Lane yeah, Kiffin, no, or no excuse doubt. me, Keith Carter knows this morning whether or not he wants to pull the trigger on Lane Kiffin. He knows. Hmm. Yeah, but could it be affected by other things? Of course it could. But he like what what I'm trying to say is if there were reservations, they were either confirmed last night or he would be willing to hire him if Mike Norvell says no. I have a feeling that decision internally for him has been made. Okay, then along those lines, piggybacking off of that, you mentioned the preliminary discussions before they fly down to Boca. If you had reservations and you still had those reservations, would you get on the plane to do, go down there? 
Uh, you would think so, right? At least to do your due diligence, meet with him in person, to really get to feel him out. I, I don't. I mean, I've never been in like a like a internet relationship where you Skype for six months and then finally meet. But I, I can imagine it's much different in person trying to feel somebody out than just via internet call. Yeah. But at the same time, if Keith didn't want to really want to hire him in the first place, couldn't he use the opportunity just to say he bombed the preliminary thing, whether he did or not, or just oh, saying sure, like, this yeah. is not the direction we're going in? I don't know. I'm just throwing See, all that, that out that, there. This, all the stuff that happened last night and then this morning, for whatever it's worth to you, uh, Arkansas Radio this morning, they're already talking about how they have Arkansas has moved on and will not offer Lane Kiffin and that they're looking at other candidates. Now, if that's true, that tells me two things. First of all, um, that's what happens in every coaching search. If Lane Kiffin ends up at Ole Miss, it is not because Arkansas moved on. It's because he said no to Arkansas. And two, if that's true, it tells me that there was a very good and productive meeting last night, and it certainly sounds like Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss is going to happen, if what they're saying is true. Now, it's radio guys, it's Arkansas, take it with a grain of salt. But if they're talking this morning about Arkansas moving on away from Lane Kiffin, something happened last night that changed their tune on it. But they are not moving on from Lane. If that happens, he said no to them. I mean, that's very clear. Yeah, I agree. Whether that means he's going to Ole Miss or not, I guess, kind of remains to be seen because there's, you know, kind of a a two-way street in that sense with whatever Keith Carter's thoughts on it and et cetera, kind of like we highlighted, but... Um, let's get into these questions and kind of figure out where, uh, where that takes us. The first two questions I can answer pretty quickly because they're not that serious. Will Lane Kiffin participate in swap season? How soon until Lane Kiffin has a seat at Funky's like AK? Yeah. I mean, look, like, I don't think, I don't think that all that stuff is as big of a deal. I know that these, like these two questions were completely joking, but like, this is a topic that people like to bring up with regards to Kiffin. I mean, Kiffin, as far as I know, I'm pretty sure divorcee, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to misspeak, but I, I'm about certain that's the case. Single dude in Oxford, like, as long as he doesn't let it spill into his work life, like, I don't know, Reverend Hugh, um, I think it's really not that big of a deal. Like, whatever you do on your own time, as long as you don't, you know, do it on university issue cell phones, um, I don't know, at the football facility. I'm just saying, if you keep your home life in your uh and your work life sep- uh, separate, generally, no matter industry you work in, it doesn't really matter what you do. Yeah, and uh, I have a feeling people are going to be really disappointed uh, if this happens with the way he acts around town. I don't. I, I don't think like on a Thursday night you're going to see Lane Kiffin every Thursday just smash at a bar stool with a tri delt under his right arm. Like it, it's. I well, don't. Of course not. That's more of like. That's yeah. more of like just like folklore. But like. Also, I don't. But I don't think it'll be that way here. much at all. I have a feeling that he'll be kind of a ghost around town. It's also important to remember here. He like as much as people say Oxford is great and it's a great little town. I, I'm not. I'm not about to bash Oxford here. But he just left Boca, man. Like, like, like he he's he's probably. I mean, to be to be fair, in terms of whatever social life a college football coach has, he's probably downgraded. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Boca, never been there, been around that area. Here it's pretty nice. I'm just saying, like, in all actuality, he's downgrading in terms of where he's moving. And that's not an indictment on Oxford. It's just Boca. Right. 
So I mean, look, he. I mean, if if he is single, which I I don't know his family dynamic, but I mean, he's still in his mid forties now, and he does have a handful of kids, and I, I think people will want that to be true. And Andy Kennedy, by the way, wasn't that bad either. Like he went out, you saw him at bars and stuff, and he was talking to people. But these are adult men. If they want to go have a drink, why is that something that's noteworthy in any way? I don't understand that. Why would it be It's like one of those things where if one story and one night happens, it turns into legend, and then it keeps growing and growing, and as it grows, it becomes less truthful. Yeah. And then it turns into, you know, AK beat two dudes over the head with a bar stool and then walked out with a bottle of rum or something, and it's just like, okay, this is obviously not true, but it's fun to say at parties. Yeah, like uh, a friend of mine's now ex-girlfriend, we were at the library one night, and like we were all standing in the same area, and Kennedy walked by, and like you know how when you're walking through a crowded bar, and like you like pat people on the shoulder to say, hey, you know, I'm trying to get through. Will you help me out here? He did that to her, and she turned around to us and was like, oh my god, he just hit on me. And then she goes and tells all of her friends that Andy Kennedy hit on her, and like we watched it happen. Like, he pat her on the shoulder to say, hey, I'm trying to walk through. Like, let me go. Like, didn't even say words to her. And then it just ballooned into this, the basketball coach hit on me at the bar. Um, I bet it made for a pretty sick Instagram, though. Um, oh, I'm sure their their Snapchat group message or whatever the hell was just, just lit up. I'm sure it was great. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find the first real question. There is a... Uh, Normally, I could get all these mailbag questions just like lined up, like one after another, reading my mentions. But there are Arkansas, uh, it appears to be a faction of Arkansas fans and Ole Miss fans arguing about Lane and who, whether or not their school pays players. And it's really just polluting this mailbag Friday. So I'm trying to figure out what's what. Uh, Yeah. I was pulling up a lot of misspelled words in this thing. I was pulling up old uh, interviews of Lane Kiffins just because, by, by the way, if people expect if it is Lane Kiffin again, if, if like his introductory press conference isn't going to be like Hugh Freeze's, he is not some public speaker dynamo. Like he's just kind of a laid back guy. Like he, his, he's not all that charismatic in interviews. I, I don't know what people are expecting, but you're not going to have that whole. F stands for this, and we're in the wilderness, and we're a family. That's not going to happen in his introductory press conference or in any press conference. He's very laid back. But I was just watching to see what kind of guy he was like, and I found an old interview with him in Coward. And it was when he, it was after his first year at Florida Atlantic. And Cowherd said something like, You were 43 and three at Alabama, but two of those losses were against Ole Miss, and they cheat, so those don't count. Yeah, Coward loves to go that one. Coward, this is how you know Coward knows nothing about college football. On top of the fact that he asked Urban Meyer how he knew uh, Joe Burrow and how he got away from Ohio uh, in recruitment, um, is Coward still squats on the whole the best programs in college f- football and college hoops don't have to cheat. And he says he has that sourced. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, he has anyway. that sourced from Nick Saban. Like, that's who was sourced. There, there's no other way. I mean, Imagine having a national platform and having that opinion. Like, I get shit wrong all the time, which you're supposed to. This is a, a, it's a business that he's in of strong opinions. And it's more important that you have strong opinions than they are correct. 
Like, if you're prognosticating games and you get them wrong, that's okay as long as you're interesting. But that's just wrong. That's not like getting a game wrong or thinking that Lamar Jackson's going to bust. That's just a factual inaccuracy. But he, and he doesn't. It almost don't blame him. Like he doesn't watch or keep up with college football, particularly not in the last half decade since he's moved to Southern California. Like go to Southern California. Like I tell you what, you're not doing on a Saturday watching Florida, South Carolina. Like you're at the beach or doing whatever the hell great things you can do in 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 uh, Southern California. So all these dudes that particularly now at that Fox studio out there that like try to comment on college football, like it gets people up in arms whenever Coward says something ridiculous. But like this guy's not watching these games. He's probably watched. I would say five to six full college football games this season, if I'm guessing, like, remotely. Probably. So, like, like he's not watching. He doesn't keep up with the sport. He has no idea. Like, and, to, and it's almost like, I know it's his job, and that's irresponsible to say. I'm not, I guess I'm not giving him an out here, but I almost don't even, like, not blame him is not the word, but I, I see very, e- how, very easily how this happens. You're not because, paying it any mind is what you're doing. And if you've never lived in the South or around like college football hotbeds, like you really don't have any idea how this stuff works. And I could actually see how he would, he would be naive enough to believe that living in, you know, Connecticut and then Los Angeles, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, Los Angeles is definitely not a football town. Do you remember the uh, NFC championship game last year? Obviously everybody remembers it, but did you see some of the videos from Los Angeles bars while that game was going on? Oh yeah. I, uh, Nobody gave a shit. <laughs> this summer, when I went and saw my buddy out at Newport Beach, I was driving to uh, while he was at work one day. I was driving to go meet good friend Antonio Morales for lunch. Who, uh, if you remember, used to cover Ole Miss and covers USC out there for the Athletic now. And I was passing. I was driving down the uh, highway or interstate or whatever, and uh, there was no traffic, no anything. I kind of passed something that I could. I thought it was like a fair or something. There was like some tents. I couldn't tell what was going on. There wasn't really anyone there, and uh, once I got over there, I looked over and it was Chargers training camp, and it, I could have just strolled up to that thing in two seconds. There was no one around there; no one cared. Um, well, so they're I, in the wrong know. place anyway. Like, yeah, they need to go back to San Diego. Probably, uh, probably a bad example. That is not happening though. I read last week uh, one of the segment ideas I thought I was going to do, but what segment ideas in this show are kind of like oil and water. Um, a regular segment ideas was like something I read interesting and tried to explain it. But uh, one of the things that actually, like, I guess, got the segment on my mind was I read a Seth Wickersham story on the struggle for relevancy in Los Angeles and that new stadium they're building. And it was honest, it was fascinating. Um, one, the Chargers aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Two, neither of the Rams. And the Chargers are basically there on the Rams' dime. Uh, not to get too on, too on a tangent. Anyway, maybe I'll save that for Monday. Maybe we'll start with that on Monday. I don't know. I found that story Dude, to be what? absolutely fascinating. <laughs> and it confirmed that Jerry Jones is 100% totally, Roger Goodell included, the most powerful man in the NFL. Because he orchestrated that whole thing basically by himself, the L.A. thing. It wasn't Stan Kroenke. It wasn't Dean Spanos or however you say the Chargers got. It was Jerry Jones. And, it, and he profited. Like There was basically a package that it was going to be Raiders and Chargers or Chargers and Rams, and either way, Jerry was going to profit off of both of them. It was pretty wild to read. 
Um, Unfortunately, if we're going to do that Monday, it'll have to be at the end of the show because on Monday we'll be talking about Ole Miss's new football coach. Yeah, that's uh, that seems probably more likely. Um, I, if something hasn't happened by Tuesday, I would be stunned, but I, I, I tend to agree. And um, wouldn't you be concerned too? I mean, if it, if this goes into Tuesday, then there's that's something went wrong. I mean, yeah, Tuesday they probably went to option three or four, like probably, or maybe there's cement. I guess you never really know, but like, as long as it's not, if it's lingered into Wednesday, then they're probably going to have a myriad of problems on their hands, I guess I would say. Um, It sounds uh, pretty cut and dry, though, right? It it sounds like they're waiting on Mike Norvell. And when Mike Norvell says no, it will be Lane Kiffin. And if something fails about Lane Kiffin, it'll be Billy Napier. For some reason, it just, it feels like it's that cut and dry. Maybe I'm missing something. I don't disagree, but I just don't actually know. And this is the one I don't know Carter's thinking here. I I still don't know how. Like you know, we don't know how the interview went. And so, while the first part of what you're saying is 100 percent true, is it really Kiffin, or is this just a groundswell of people that really want it to be Kiffin? I'm not saying I. I'm not saying one's right, one's wrong. I don't know. Because um, if he still prefers a Napier or a Drinkwitz or something like that, that would mo- tend to go more in line with the thinking and what has kind of been. Uh, the whispers around this whole thing from the start um, to where is if it actually is Kiffin and that was his guy, there had been a fundamental change in thinking over the last 48 hours. So I don't know. Um, I guess that's a good segue into this question. Did Keith Carter go see Kiffin yesterday? Um, It appears yes. I think that was first reported-ish. I don't know if that was ever actually confirmed by anyone, but uh, I believe that was Neil. Do I have that correct? Yeah, I think that's fair. Just giving credit where credit's due, just one big J looking after another. Um, if if Corral enters the transfer portal after Ole Miss makes a hire at head coach, would Tisdale consider coming back and competing for the starting quarterback position? Um, I guess it's not inconceivable. I know we brought this up yesterday. He ha- he would have to. I don't know this. I guess for a hundred percent fact, but if he wants to be eligible, he would have to finish out the semester here, and they have finals next week. So I guess it's not inconceivable at all. Um, but still, like once you make a move like that, particularly as a younger kid, seems unlikely. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, but that's a really good question. Who did it a couple years ago? Wasn't it Jalen Julius who transferred and then all of a sudden just was kind of there for spring ball? Uh, that happened. That's happened a good bit. I think it happened at Auburn uh, going into this season. I don't remember the guy's name, but um, the thing about the transfer portal is. These schools are still signing 25 guys in a recruiting cycle. There is not anywhere for a lot of these kids to go. So often, or at least it's increasingly often, guys will enter the portal and then pull their names out because they can't find a good landing spot. There's not a whole lot of places to go. Quarterback's a different story. Like if Matt Corral wants to leave Ole Miss, he will find a landing spot. And he'll be a starter in two years, wherever he goes. Grant Tisdale, same thing. But, like, yeah, I forget what player it was. It doesn't matter because it was never true, even though Sports Illustrated ran it 100 times and the Clarion Ledger ran it. Um, whoever it was that threatened that half of the Ole Miss team was going to transfer, they wouldn't have had places to go. Yeah, I don't disagree. I just found it. I just uh, 
26, this is the Shea Wave, so 2017 tweet from Jalen Julius. It says, I'd like to announce that I will be transferring from the University of Mississippi. I want to thank Ole Miss for giving me an opportunity to further my education. A lot of randomly capitalized things in this thing. Uh, in my career, I made some friendships in the last lifetime, blah, blah, blah. Guess who played in the Egg Bowl on Thursday? <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, so it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be far fetched, but yeah, this this tra- the transfer portal is going to get interesting because these kids don't have anywhere to go, and not anywhere better anyway. I, I mean, I, I I thought that was it was kind of irresponsible to run the player comments as if they were gospel the way it was, especially on national levels, but. Um, I don't think, it's I think that's more of an aggregation thing, though. Like, Suss was right. outside, and I was standing out there as I was communicating with you on Sunday night. I was out there for a little bit. It was cold as hell. We were trying to record, so I was like, I'm getting out of here. And when they came out, you know, Suss just trying to do his job, like, gets Plumley, gets all of them, and he puts it. But that's more of an aggregation thing to where once Suss gets it out there and it gets aggregated by all these bloggers Saturday down south, you know, I don't know, pigskin party. I'm just making up shit at this point. But then it becomes like, Holy cow! Half the like by the third and fourth degrees of aggregation, it becomes half the team is rumored to transfer. When in reality, it's just some pissed off player walking to his car saying, "We're getting out of here." Yeah, like you see what I'm saying? So like that's right. I think exactly. That's, that's but that's why I think product. Yeah, and uh, I mean that's the same Sports Illustrated that ran. Um, Clay Helton is out at Southern Cal, and also sources say that report is not true. Like the same publication reported something and then said the reporting is not true. Yeah, what I found fascinating on that, and I don't think Antonio would mind me sharing this. I texted him when all that was going down. He Everywhere he goes, there's a coaching search. So whatever that report came out on Sunday, I just kept sending him coaching search in all caps. And then he was like, I'm not so sure about that. This guy doesn't have the best batting average. Blah, blah, blah. I think it's going to turn out to be wrong from what I'm hearing. And, of course, Antonio was right, and it was wrong. But what I found interesting, he says that guy that reported that has the best relationship with Helton than anybody. I imagine that man might be changing. Yeah, probably so. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's just it's anyway. So no, not unheard of. I would uh, I would still lean no, but again, I'm I'm just guessing there. I I don't know their thinking. I don't know. Uh, I guess it's certainly possible. Um, if you're Matt Corral, would Lane Kiffin being your next head coach can and, and who knows, like, if they meet and they butt heads or whatever. But, like, just on the surface, would Lane Kiffin entice you to stay? If you were in I his shoes. You'd have to get some kind of, like, if, if I'm Corral, and I know this sounds bad, but, like, I would have to get some kind of guarantee that I'm going to be the guy unless he gets taken from me. Because, like, what happens if he stays and he wastes another year of eligibility and it turns into Plumley left, Plumley right, whatever. I know Kiffin doesn't run the same kind of offense, but it turns into that again. Torres, he could very much, very easily go somewhere else where he knows he's the guy from day one. So I would actually still have, uh, I would still actually be very hesitant to do that um, if I were Matt Corral. Whereas Plumlee's not going anywhere because he's got the baseball thing, all of that. So if I were Corral, I would still leave, in my opinion, if I really wanted to play and play immediately, you could get a guarantee from somewhere else. But I mean, I'm not, I mean, it's certainly possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't like. You're gonna stick around. I know it was a previous coaching staff, but are you gonna stick around at a place where you really just kind of got burned and shafted to pretty much everything out of your control? I know he didn't play great in that Cal game. I know the offense wasn't, you know, flying up and down the field the first three games. But he, let's make no mistake about it, he got a raw deal and all that. They handled that terribly. Of course, you did. And anybody that 
says otherwise is not really paying attention or being genuine um, when they say that. I think he's a, a really talented kid, and if he goes out west and, and goes and plays for Mike Leach, we'll look back in a couple of years and see Matt Corral thrown for 5,000 yards in a season. Yeah, with a mustache and jorts. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I just, are you going to stick around with the place that you got burned at once already? I know it's a new coaching staff, but unless Kiffin tells him something, like, unless he gets some kind of guarantee, like, hey, you know, Plumlee's a package guy, you're it, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what it, I don't know what it would have to be. But like, I guess it depends would, on how much he actually loves the, the place, right? Yeah, I think that's a that's a big part of it. But, I mean, the guy I – mean, you got to think about it, too, here is like, one, like he came here because he uh, he needed a home. Matt Luke needed a momentum spark. They were two dudes that needed to hitch their wagons to one another because he had had some, uh, some things go on in the recruiting process, you know, some fault of his own. I'm sure some really not. Like, they needed each other, and Luke kind of turned on him and pulled the plug pretty quickly. Like, he was supposed to be the future, and that was supposed to be who Luke was going to ride or die with, and that didn't happen. So, like, I mean, after all that, are you really going to trust a guy you met, like, a week ago? I don't know. I I tend to think no, but, again, I could be wrong about that. I'm just guessing. I'm trying to put myself in his shoes. Um, And, well... I guess academically as well, because if he transfers now, he has to sit out because he wouldn't get a waiver. The NCAA's done handing out waivers like candy. At least it seems that way. If he can graduate in three years, then he could feel Lane Kiffin out, see if it works, if it is Lane Kiffin, um, and then transfer and be eligible immediately. That's what Joe Burrow did. Joe yeah, Burrow so graduated from Ohio State in three years. That's a good point because that is the uh... – that is the other side of this is and and when so I was texting again I feel like I brought Antonio up five times on this show so shout out Antonio free of uh, publicity for you I texted when this happened I was like are there any landing spots out there for Corral where he could do the closer to home thing and he was like I mean I don't know if Cal counts like both of the Arizona schools have freshman quarterbacks they like um, maybe Oregon Oregon State I don't know if that would even count. But he he pointed out exactly what you pointed out. There's a world here where Corral sticks, feels it out next year, kind of sees what happens, graduates in three years, and then can be immediately eligible as a grad transfer with two years to play, or yeah, two years of eligibility left, which may be his best case scenario anyway. Instead of sitting out a year, but it it's 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 weighing a do you want to get a head start at whatever system you're going to go to and all of that versus wanting to play and feel things out and then go somewhere else. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't know which option is better for the other, but yeah, he's definitely got a choice there. That's a good point because I was going to completely omit the other side of that. Um, let's see. Who is the number one target after Norvell? That seems to be the million-dollar question, is it not? Is it Billy Napier? Is it Lane Kiffin? Is it Elijah Drinkowitz? I don't know. seems to be Napier or Kiffin at this point. Which I mean, one? Logic I tells really you it's Kiffin, know. right? Because, I mean, if... If it was Napier ahead of Kiffin, wouldn't they have also gotten in a plane and interviewed Billy Napier outside of Lafayette, Louisiana this week? Who's to say that hasn't? Well, that that who's to say that hasn't happened? One or isn't going to happen? But the problem is, no one's flight tracking things to Lafayette. Like no one cares. Everyone wanted the Kiffin thing. But it's to happen, more so than just is- a flight tracker, though. I mean, that wasn't the only thing that tipped people off last night. Like the, there was sourced knowledge out there that the interview was going down 
I agree, but it was also all very loosely. Like, would it shock you that they've already talked to him in some capacity, even if it's not face-to-face? Oh, I mean, but To they, me, that very well could have happened, either face-to-face or not face-to-face already, or it could happen in the coming days. I bet they've it's talked to a dozen The buzz is Kiffin. Exactly. So, like, which one's preferred? I really don't know the answer to that. I guess Kiffin because it's all the smoke last night. But, again, like, there's one there, one of those two candidates Carter supposedly has had to or is has had to change his thinking on, and Napier's not that one. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. I think with Billy Napier, I've seen so much negativity about him, and I understand why, because Lane Kiffin's a sexy hire and Billy Napier is not. But if that's who Ole Miss ends up with, and you as a fan cannot at least develop some kind of intrigue about what Billy Napier could do at Ole Miss. That's a you problem more so than it is an Ole Miss problem. I mean, if you look at his resume and what he's doing at ULL, it's extremely impressive. And it is absolutely, without a doubt, an upgrade from what you have, which is the point of getting rid of an old coach and getting a new coach. He's got experience. He's learned under the best. He's got a recruiting pedigree. He will build a very good staff. No, it's not sexy. No, it's not Lane Kiffin. But if you look at Ole Miss's options this time versus what they were dealing with two years ago, uh, it's one of those things where I don't think they could go wrong. Now, there's a possibility that all of them would fail. I'm not saying the hit rate is 100%. But if you're talking about good hire on paper, not good hire on paper, the top three, air quotes, all would be objectively good hires for Ole Miss for one reason or another. They all could fail. They all could not work out. But this candidate list, I mean, all three of them are playing for conference championships tomorrow. All three of them. You couldn't say that two years ago. Here's a statement no one's going to like. I think the hit rate is higher with Napier than Kiffin. I think Kiffin's way more risk-reward. The floor is much higher on Napier. Yeah. I mean... How many dudes have worked for Dabo and Saban? And Todd Graham. Just throw that in there. I mean, uh, apparently he's not well-liked in the coaching industry, but he was a good football coach. He's almost coach. a linebacker's coach here. <laughs> that would have been wild. Uh, yeah, Matt actually told us that a while back. Uh, but, yeah, that, that was closer to happening, I think people think. Who's the better golfer between y'all two? Borky beat me the only time they we played, and that was uh, – at Old Waverly, where I think I lost a dozen golf balls. But then we get a follow-up response from a friend of the program, Hooper Wilkinson, that says, definitely Rippy used to sandbag the KA tournament. I did no such thing. That's a load of shit. I've the never one KA tournament I played in, I got so drunk, we had to leave my car at the course and get a, uh, a taxi home, and I had to pick it up the next day. We like, wanted by, by whole twelve. I was missing the ball. Like well, that was a bad day for me. That's kind of the point of that. All of those tournaments, anyway. Like I, you're not grinding over eight foot putts in that thing out at Mallard Point. We did win it one year where Jake, uh, shout out Jake Lastinger, who is a a uh, that one year he, <laughs> his dad made about I would say 250 feet of putts, and uh, we were like, no one's going to believe this when we turn it in. Um, let's see uh, more. Talking, see, this dude, go eat a D-I-C-K. I don't, I'm sure if I'm allowed to say this in this podcast. That is what the Arkansas trolling is uh, and Ole Miss arguing is going on. Who do you like more as a co-host, Brister or Borky? Oh, starting some infighting here. Um, you don't have to answer that. Bracken, Ray, that's the answer. The one-time guest co-host. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> um, let's see. Does the fan base get behind a guy like Napier from day one if he gets the job? Seems like anyone who's not Kiffin or Norvell would be perceived as a disappointment by this fan base. Yeah, that's an interesting point that I was going to kind of bring up here in a second. I'm glad that question was asked. It's gotten the groundswell with Kiffin has gotten so large that like it seems like there's only going to be a natural letdown if they go in some other direction. And I'm not even sure that's really fair. It's not fair, but I think it would be a slow build. Uh, he he will be. The press conference doesn't matter, but it will help. I think he would be really impressive in his press conference. And then he would recruit pretty well. And then he would assemble an experienced staff. You'd be surprised at how good of a staff that he could put together. Um, And then he would recruit in the second cycle pretty well. And then he will do this Rebel Road Trip thing and be buttoned up and impressive. And it won't be like almost a sellout for SEMO in week two, your first home game. But over time, a guy like him would bring more excitement, sure as hell would bring more excitement than what they had in Matt Luke, which, as we talked about a few days ago, it's not exactly fair, but it would be a slower build. But he's impressive. If you watch interviews and stuff, like people will get behind him eventually once the wear of we didn't get Kiffin wears off. I agree with that. And look, like the, anything new is going to get people excited to some degree. Like I think the, if there is any letdown, if they go another direction, the Kiffin will be short term. Because if you hire a qualified candidate that's you know not down the hallway and not a you know forty year old offensive line coach with no previous experience, people are going to get behind that. I think that's a little overblown. Because I saw something come across my Twitter screen last night that was like. Like basically, sarcastic and asking like who else would get the fan base organized like united more than Kiffin. Like one, like uh, to me, Kiffin would get Twitter, tw- the faction of Ole Miss's Twitter base united more than anything. But there are a lot of people, as we mentioned yesterday, that are anti-Kiffin that are not on the internet, and it's an older crowd. So like, I would caution you to think if you think Kiffin's going to kind of unite everything, which I'm not even sure matters. Um, I would probably kind of hit you with the, hey, uh, not everyone's on Twitter. Less than like 6% of the population is. That's not really indicative of real life. But at the same time, I think a lot of people would be excited by Kiffin. I think people would end up getting excited with Napier as well. Um, I, I agree. Let's see. I think the only one that would really rub people the wrong way would be Will Healy. And I guess, uh, of course, he'd he'd have a dynamite press conference and be fine. But that's the one hire that's kind of hard to justify considering the other list of candidates. Not that he won't be great down the road, but one year as a Division I coach at Charlotte compared to the other resumes that you could have hired, I think that would be seen negatively more so than anybody else. I agree. I'm not uh, saying you're insinuating this, but I'm actually of the educated opinion that that is not uh, that is a that is not happening, and probably not even under serious consideration anymore at this point, if it ever was. So, take well, that you know, with this search, uh, I mean, Larry Fedora has been a hot name. So he has, <laughs> according to <laughs> a lot of big J's out there. Uh, does Kiffin? By love the way, it's this? not. It's not. By the way, if you're listening, yeah, no, no, that was that was dripping in sarcasm i think most of our uh, listenership is pretty smart i think they can pick up on stuff like that they've had to deal with my shit for six to eight months i think they can pick up on sarcasm okay does kiffin love Ole miss um <laughs> i think for five million dollars a year he might <laughs> he learned to love it that's for sure yeah for sure i mean look you give that man five million dollars a year and that boat he has in his backyard in boca 
Uh, Sardis Lake will look way better than that. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think he'll What kind of too. boat would Lane Kiffin cruise Sardis Lake around in? Mm. I was actually trying to think of something along these lines last night. You know that old-fashioned, like, old-timey car that the guy that dresses like Colonel Reb sometimes drives through the grove with, like, Dixie as the horn? Yeah. Uh, Dixie as the horn aside, if you could make a boat version of that car, that would be pretty <laughs> funny to see Lane Kiffin fishing on Sardis Lake with that thing. Uh, Imagine, like, living in Wellsgate and standing on your back porch and seeing Lane Kiffin ripping by on a jet ski or something. Honestly, Lane Kiffin's educated enough in the troll game. He might buy his own bass boat and name it, like, the Yahtzee or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> that would be pretty good, too. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I wonder what Lane Kiffin really thinks about Hugh Freeze, considering Hugh Freeze got his brother in NCAA jail. Yeah, I would love to. Uh, I would love to uh, moderate a sit-down session with Lane and Hugh at uh, Funky's over a couple of daiquiris. Even though Hugh doesn't drink, he does a little tobacco from time to time. But he's trying to quit. But <laughs> hypothetically, if he did, uh, that would be fun to moderate. That would be a great uh, live podcast. Let's see. As a captain, what is your top speed in a boat, and how are you translate your captain status into everyday life? Am I missing some sort of joke here? Uh, so here's the thing about our radio listeners, Rippy, is anytime a story is told, they never forget it. They're very dedicated people, and that, I believe, is a reference to your time in California when you captained a little John oh, boat, and it went oh. like three miles an hour. Okay, well, five miles an hour is the peak speed. I don't know how I would translate into everyday life. I was a pretty good driver. Um, yeah, I was a pretty good driver of the boat. Didn't go very fast. Uh, he also has a serious question. Also, Borky, what's your opinion on a less splashy, more realist hire in Napier or Fritz types? Personally, I think they'll be better in the long run than Leach or Kiffin. Also, why Ole, why Ole Miss overstate from a South Carolina guy? Um, well, well, that's a second- there. Yeah, uh, that second part, um, I I wanted to leave the state. So I I, I liked South Carolina okay, but it was in a big town, and both my sisters went there. And Columbia is just kind of gross. I'm I'm not a big fan of Columbia. I know people like it. I I just didn't. Uh, And Clemson didn't have a journalism school. So I just started looking at all the other schools in the SEC. I didn't like Knoxville. thought Tennessee was kind of gross. That was a non-starter. Vanderbilt. No way in hell I would have gotten in slash could have afforded it. Athens, same thing. Probably wouldn't have gotten in, couldn't afford it. So I just kept going west. Didn't really like Tuscaloosa. I really liked Auburn, actually. But Ole Miss's journalism school, when we went on our visit, uh, was kind of what did it for me. I I liked Ole Miss. I mean, there's a reason I went to college there. Um, And Mississippi State does not have a journalism school. So as I was looking for an SEC school to go to that wasn't in the state of South Carolina, they had to have a J school like that. Not having a journalism school is a non-starter for me and uh, my college search. So that's how I ended up at Ole Miss. And as far as the non-sexy hire, I think, I don't know much about Willie Fritz. I know he's a little bit older, and I don't think that would ever happen anyway. I think Ole Miss would have to strike out probably three times to get to a guy like Willie Fritz. But if you're looking at Napier or Brian Harson, for example, I know Justin Fuente's name was thrown out there, and he's a sitting Power 5 head coach. But um, 
I think Napier would probably be the most set up for success because of his ability to recruit. He's not only been involved heavily in recruiting at Clemson and Alabama, but he's been doing it in Louisiana. Everybody I talk to says his staff would be surprisingly good. And he can coach ball, but that would separate him to me from a guy like Brian Harson, because you know he'd be able to get players, and that floor is extremely high. I just think there is a ceiling that Lane Kiffin would be higher than. I worded that terribly. But they, they would be safe, and they'd be good hires, and I think they'd win football games, and there's, there's no risk at all in hiring Billy Napier. But I think the level that a guy like Kiffin could take your program is higher than anybody else on this list not named Mike Norvell. And that's probably even a question mark. Last one is also for Borky. My brother and I are avid state fans because they tendered our career paths. And my dad is Ole Miss born and raised, which is why I follow Ole Miss prevalently to talk it with him. What would, would you, what would you be? I don't think he's making sense here. I think he said, would you be opposed to baby Borky if he turned out to go to the fan of the opposition? Oh God, no. Oh my God. Um, uh, so we have a lot of Ole Miss listeners and this, I don't particularly care about, does your son listen to this show? <laughs> not yet. Uh, although he did the other day, he was in the other room so he could hear it, but, uh, he's, nice. uh, gone out with mom this morning. Um, I mean, I guess maybe it's part of it. I grew up in South Carolina and then immediately after college, I started working in media, but I, I am not one of those people that will get into, especially as a media person, get into the minutia and the in the weeds that is the Egg Bowl and the Ole Miss and Mississippi State rivalry. I really don't care all that much. And part of that is because my paycheck, what pays for my house and what will pay for everything involving my son relies on both Ole Miss and Mississippi State being good. This is what some guys that cover Mississippi State that that try to Paint, especially you and I and Richard Rippey, in a bad light because our degree says Ole Miss and not Mississippi State, that somehow when we do our, our work every day that we are actively out to get Mississippi State. This is what those brain-dead people don't understand. If we were to spend three hours a day being anti-Mississippi State on the radio, we would not have jobs for very long. We wouldn't have sponsors for very long. Our show would end. If we were openly anti-Mississippi State, we would not have a livelihood here. That's what they can't fathom because they run their little fan sites and think that that's how everybody should operate. That because I have a degree from Ole Miss, I hate Mississippi State with every fiber of my being. And that's just not true. It's not true at all. If my kid wanted to go to Mississippi State, great, man. Do whatever you want. It's your life. I, I don't care. In Mississippi State, when I first started Super Talk, I was in sales as the only reason I could pay rent for four months. They were my first client, my only client for four months. That's the only reason I could pay rent. So I kind of have a soft spot for a couple of decision makers there at Mississippi State on the uh, continuing education side. They literally paid my rent for me as I was getting started. It's kind of ridiculous. And that's a bit of a passionate rant, but People try to paint me. Agree, people dude. try to paint it's me so and try stupid. to paint Richard in this light that is just not real because our livelihood depends on Mississippi State people listening to us. And if yeah, we're, and 
Openly another- anti-Mississippi State, they won't do it. So it's just it's ridiculous. It's stupid, and those people just can't use their brains appropriately. Yeah, but no, I know a lot of people. I'll, I'll whatever. I'll tag it on this, right? I don't care. Um, yeah. Another side of that too is like one. I love this job. I love this company. All that. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not hinting at anything at all. But I probably in my entire lifetime until I, you know, if I ever am fortunate enough to retire, you know, I'm probably not trying to cover Ole Miss, uh, you know, and every single day. Until, like, I'm probably not doing this for the rest of my life, if that makes sense. I don't think that's any breaking news there. Oh. So, like, if you're ever trying to get some other job or you're ever trying to, you know, move on or move up in the ranks or do anything else in, in this industry, like, you, you can't just be an open fanboy about stuff. And like one, I like two. I have no interest in doing that anyway. But two, to your point, when both schools are good and relevant, it makes for better stories. It makes for better content, better rating. You get the whole thing. Like seeing Mississippi State lose or vice versa or whatever does absolutely nothing for me. And like when they're both irrelevant, no one listens and no one cares. Like, I, I know I'm saying the exact thing you said, but it's it's so stupid and such small minded stuff. And like the fact that like. Like they can't separate like rooting for one team or another with like doing your job. Like if to me, if you're sitting in a press box and trying to cover a game and you're rooting for one team to win or lose, you can't accurately do your job, in my opinion. Like you're just completely clouded. Like you're not able to actually analyze what happened and actually produce good work. So anyway, I think all that stuff is stupid as well. Uh, I think that rant was well said. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, I mean. In a perfect world, Ole Miss and Mississippi State would meet in every single national championship ever. That would be the best for me because the money we would bring in on the radio show would be hard to fathom. The better both teams are, the more likely I can pay for my kids' college. Like, that's what I care about first. Oh, yeah, no, I yeah, I totally agree. Um, let's see. Let me make sure... <laughs> Damn, what would Lane Kiffin's favorite number be? That is from a guy who hits me with 69 jokes weekly. <laughs> I appreciate the dedication. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's, there's this guy that listens to this podcast just hits me with 69 jokes on the reg. Like it's, it's like it's his own mission. One time I, uh, I said something about it. And then he mentioned it, and I was like, that was nice. He said, yeah, I got you. Like whenever you see this account pop up, you know what the deal is. I'm like, thanks, man. Um. Why did Sean Tui's airplane leave Memphis for Boca and then return four hours later? I don't know. Quick beach trip. Um, um, which, that was that was the transport for the interview, my friend. Which coaching hire would potentially be able to persuade a few of Ole Miss's top targets to hold off until the February signing period since the Mississippi-Alabama game will hinder all face-to-face contact with the new staff? All of them. Yeah, I would tend to agree I, with I mean, that. It, it, look, it— there are some kids that decommitted from Ole Miss that may never get back, but I, every single hire would be able to step in and not save the class, but save the recruiting class. Every single one of them. It is not as bad as it was written to be with the decommitments and players threatening to transfer. That happens with every coaching turnover, all of them. And if it's Lane Kiffin, if it's Mike Norvell, if it's Brian Harson, if it's Billy Napier, they will be able to step in and win over some kids almost immediately. That will be fine. Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree with that. I, I don't think 
I mean, look, you're going to lose kids in the first recruiting class is always going to be difficult, particularly that's what probably I don't know if it's an unintended consequence, but that was really one of the consequences from the early signing period is like like when you make a coaching change, you really got to do things quickly to salvage any sort of class. And so there's always just going to be casualties and, and damage to your first class. It's just kind of nature of the business. But like like this goes back to the whole like players walking out transferring thing like that's going that all that kind of stuff and all of that kind of smoke is going to happen wherever you uh whenever you change coach in any program in the country that's not unique to Ole Miss uh when do y'all start selling people's holiday t-shirts I need to get on that I don't know what the deal with super talk is about me selling t-shirts I'll get with them on that but uh we need to make that happen um since well and on- if if Ole Miss hires Lane Kiffin um there will be some merchandise opportunities. I've already talked to a designer to give us a, a nice graphic, and uh, we can put that thing on koozies and whatnot. It'll be great. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait. And the uh, podcast name changed, Joey Fresh Potter. Um, thought of by Borky. That is not my idea, by the way. Since both of y'all think Jason Garrett is gone and the Cowboys may hire Lincoln Riley, who will go to Oklahoma after whoever – Oh, who will Oklahoma go after, even if they were just – I don't know what this guy said. Who will Oklahoma go after, whoever, comma, even if they were just hired? It's not a reason to hire to not hire Kiffin, but if Ole Miss hires him, could he bolt for Oklahoma if they name-calling? I see what you're saying. Dude, Oklahoma's hitting bigger fish than Lane Kiffin. Yeah. It's the simplest yeah. way to answer that. I see what you're saying, but I think uh, Oklahoma is fishing in deeper waters than Lane Kiffin, uh, at least right now. Like, say – Say the Lincoln Riley thing doesn't happen. I, I'm not saying it won't. I'm not saying I'm skeptical it will or won't. Say it doesn't happen, and then he leaves for some kind of other like Cliff Kingsbury type job in the NFL in two years, and say Lane Kiffin's gone to really anywhere or Ole Miss, and he's crushing it. Then would Oklahoma do it? Sure, but I think Lane's got to prove it at a Power Five program before he gets an upper echelon Power Five job or a blue blood Power Five job. This is his last chance. I think Ole Miss is his last chance. If this doesn't go well, he's done. At least at any high level, I think he. Yeah, I think he could always go back to Conference USA or something like that. Because I mean, he's proven he's going to win there. And then is he? Is he an FAU? Like not FAU, but somewhere like it guy for the rest of his life? Sure, probably. But like the amount of success, like people undersell it because they think he's just trying to get a stepping stone for his new job. But the 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 amount of success he had at FAU did kind of create a fairly secure floor for him because he if he had flopped there, he's never going to be a head coach anywhere again. Yeah, I had somebody last night compare him to Hal Mummy to me, and I, I that you could not be more wrong about that comparison. Oh yeah, no, I, uh, I, yeah, Hal Mummy, that's, that's completely different. Yeah, the it, it's the one person that I talk to that's not happy that Ole Miss is potentially going to hire Lane Kiffin. He said, "quote Lane Kiffin's the next Hal Mummy." Remember, I told you so. Yeah, I, uh, I I don't see that comparison at all. By the way, um, Hal Mummy is the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Renegades, the new XFL team. So he's he's Bob Stoops' his OC. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, a buddy of mine that was in grad school at Ole Miss a couple years ahead of me uh, is a videographer for the Dallas Renegades. That seems like a pretty sweet gig. Um, what kind of offense does Napier run? So I've seen it in two different ways. What he's doing it's right not rich now, esque, but he runs the quarterback a hell of a lot of the spread. Yeah, and part of that is because he's got three 
really, really good running backs. And the only time I've really watched them was against Mississippi State, and their quarterback threw for like 280 in that game, but he's limited in the passing game. Uh, just not, not a, a really talented, polished passer. If you look at his offenses at Arizona, they threw the ball around a lot more, or at Arizona State. They're running the ball more at ULL because he's got three running backs. His offensive line is like four redshirt seniors and a redshirt junior. So good running backs and a good offensive line, so they're running the football more, and a quarterback that's kind of limited. He's shown you in the past that it's flexible, that he's not going to step in and just run the ball 70 times because that's what he has to do. It's more he will shape his offense around the personnel that he has. I agree. Uh, take a quick break. Tell you the podcast brought to you by LBs. As I mentioned, I didn't get Greg's picks. I'll get those out on the internet, but we'll get into the meats of the LBs. Pick them here in a second. But podcast brought to you by LBs. Best place at Oxford to get meat. University Avenue across from Kroger. Steaks, custom cuts, all kinds of stuff. Uh, they've got daily specials, plate lunches. You can go in there and grab some lunch. Greg's always got something good. Cook it up and then decide what you want for dinner to throw on the grill or vice versa. Um, so, you know, they've got seafood. Lane Kiffin knows about seafood, as I mentioned the other day. Sausages, all kinds of stuff. He's always working with some kind of new sausage experiment that's always really good. Go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Um, we've got a couple more questions. Did they ever give you your master's degree? Hell yeah, they did. I've got it uh, not framed. It's on. Honestly, actually, my degree is sitting on my nightstand. I should probably give that to my mom or someone that wants to keep it. Um, when will the railroad for the lane train be? Completely for Hawks. Okay. We've got every single one of these questions has been who would you want if Norvell Kiffin doesn't happen? Was Fuente talked to? Uh, to my knowledge, I don't know if they, I don't think they have talked to Justin Fuente. He's kind of put out feelers that he's trying to maybe get back out of the ACC and into the SEC. Um, if Norvell Kiffin doesn't happen, I think Napier would be the safest bet for Ole Miss. Yeah. And so just for comparison, I pulled this up just to give you a good idea. So in 2017, if I'm remembering correctly, Billy Napier was the offensive coordinator at Arizona State in 2017. Am I wrong about that? This is uh, this is off the top of my head. Yes, he uh, was. 2017, yes. he was the offensive coordinator at Arizona State. He had a quarterback, Manny Wilkins, that threw for 3,200 yards on 63.4% completions, 20 touchdowns to eight picks. He also had a 1,000-yard rusher and a 700-yard rusher. But Nikhil Harry, the wide receiver, caught 1,200 yards worth of passes, and they had another one that caught 750 yards worth of passes. So a pretty balanced offense, but they threw the football more than they ran. In 2019, Levi Lewis, ULL's quarterback, the guy I told you is kind of limited throwing the football, um, has thrown 20 touchdowns and three picks, but has only 300 attempts on the season. They have a 1,000-yard rusher, an 800-yard rusher, and another 800-yard rusher. So it's a more of a run-heavy offense because they've got three guys that can really, really run the football, and their quarterback has 260 um, on his own as well. So they're more of a running offense now because they have three guys that can do it, and at Arizona State it was more balanced, a little bit more pass-heavy because they had a quarterback and a wide receiver, two wide receivers that could execute the offense. Yeah, it uh, I, yeah, I think that would be a good hire. I think he would crush it here, recruiting wise. Uh, so I think that it it seems at this point, barring something crazy, it ends up as I don't want to say one of three because I think Norvell's headed to Florida State, but I don't know. We'll see. I think it's Kiffin, Norvell, or 
someone else, or excuse me, Kiffin, Kiffin Napier or someone else. A lot of ends in this. Um, yeah. I think that was the last mailbag question we had. We want to run through some picks and get out of here. Let's see. Uh, I think I got a couple myself. Actually, let's just hit all the conference championship games and all the NFL is what we normally do. But this is the pick'em brought to you by LBs, the meats of the LBs pick'em. I think we both did. We oh, I hit the I hit Chicago last night. I guess because I think I picked them on Wednesday. Uh, I guess we can get into that for a second. Dallas is uh, Dallas is pretty brutal. Um, what the hell happened last night? I mean, I, I know. Jason Garrett is going to get fired and stuff. And, I I mean, tell me if I'm reading this correctly. It looks to me like Dak Prescott's uncomfortable, borderline nervous right now. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, – I don't know if it's uh, Kellen Moore. I don't know if it's Jason Garrett. But I think Dak is being failed by the management and structure around him more so than anything else. Because Dak is a guy that needs good pieces and needs good structure around him to be good, which is not a knock on him that some people like to think it is. Like pretty much like there's only a few there's like three, four quarterbacks in the league that can make things work with terrible pieces around them. And you can see Carson Wentz can't even do it. Um, it's Rodgers. It's Russell Wilson. It Brady used to be able to, but he can't even really overcome the mess that they've got at skill positions there right now. You know, is that really it? Am I missing? Mahomes probably could, but you haven't really seen it. Watson probably could. But that but like, Dallas Dallas offense, man. pieces and structures. And it's not that he doesn't have good pieces, but, man, the, the way they run that offense is brutal. And the offensive line hasn't been as good of lately. I think you've seen what Dak Prescott can do in the NFL with the right th- pieces around him, but I don't. Th- it's just not working right now. No, not at all. And uh, I even tweeted last night, who's going to be coaching the, the Cowboys next year, Matt Rule or Lincoln Riley? Because it's done. I mean, it's done. Jerry Jones said going into the game that he is he's certain that Jason Garrett will coach in the NFL next year. Um, and then last night said that, yeah, he'll be our coach next week. So it's done. And Jerry Jones is a clown with how, with how he handles this anyway. But uh, that deal's done. And that's probably, as we said on the radio show, six or seven openings that we'll have in the NFL this year. Yeah, which is about right on par for normal. But the Bears are still technically in. If they finish 10-6, and six, they really might make the playoffs. I don't see how you get left out at 10-6. and six. Maybe uh, maybe Minnesota goes on the run and the wild card just gets too ridiculous. But, man, that was a brutal loss for Dallas. I went to bed before most of the postgame stuff, but I look forward to reading that this morning. Anyway, let's get into the meats of the LBs. Pick them and get out of here. LBs, University Avenue, across from Kroger, best place in Mississippi to get meat, steaks, custom cuts, whatever you want. Greg's going to hook you up. They've got sausages, uh, custom cuts. He's got plate lunches. they got all kinds of stuff. He feeds the baseball team. Greg uh, makes things happen. Greg uh, gives you gambling locks and the best meats in Mississippi. So go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger. You just want to pick all the conference championship games and do all the NFL yeah, let's do that. All right, here we go. Utah, or excuse me, Richard Cross Boys. Utah, Utah. and Oregon at the uh, at seven p.m. tonight. Uh, Pac-12 championship game. Utah is a now a minus six and a half point favorite. Whoa, seems like a big line. Um, Utah's playing really, really well lately. It does not feel like Oregon's doing the same thing. And I mean, style points are going to be important. I don't know if that 
I don't know what that means other than that that is true. I guess I'll take Utah. They're playing better now than Oregon is. Ugh. Yeah. I, I know. It, that's, that's tough. Mm. Yeah, I think Utah needs to make a statement. I tend, I tend to agree with your thinking. I'll go with that as well. Why not? Miami of Ohio Central Michigan also minus six and a half in favor of Jim McElwain steroids. How about Jim McElwain getting named as a candidate for the Missouri job? Which, by the way, that's going terribly. Yeah, that seems like it is. Not going well at Missouri. But uh, Jim McElwain's actually kind of, I mean, he gets a lot of shit for making up what he did at Florida that ultimately got him fired. But he can coach football. So why not, even though his quarterback is out because he took steroids? Uh, I'll take Central Michigan. Yeah, why not? Don't know anything about either school. The Ole Miss Hotboard Bowl. Uh, Appalachian State, Eli Drinkowitz against ULL. ULL is plus six. A lot of sixes lately. I'll go ULL. I'll take Appalachian State at home. Oh, look at us. Finally. There we go. Oh, the game's in Boone. I went against my favorite place in the country. Um, Where did that come from? I was out with... uh paternity leave for the few days I was out where'd that come from Richard made uh Richard made Boone North Carolina sound like Santa's workshop at the North Pole in terms of like how it's illuminated and just the greatest place on earth and uh I didn't believe him and then now it's just turned into some joke because I they they hey dad and for hey dad and uh, Richard for whatever reason were just fawning over the town of Boone North Carolina and I was like am I being punked like what I don't understand what's going on here so that's where that came Have from. Have they ever been? I don't know. I, I, I couldn't get a straight answer out of them. I know Haydad hasn't. Uh, I, but it's pretty, I mean, it's have, pretty cool. It's a mountain town. But, but I mean, it's well, it's exactly I, what you think Boone, North Carolina would be. It's a little mountain town. It's nice. Appar- apparently, it's a utopia. Um, Baylor and Oklahoma. Ba- uh, Baylor's plus nine against Oklahoma. I think I would take Baylor in that. I don't think, uh, I don't think Oklahoma's playing well enough they've got a limp to the finish line and i think baylor's going to avenge the loss i think so too and then it's going to be really interesting with baylor and utah for the final spot florida atlantic minus eight and a half against uab distracted lane kiffin and bill clark comes in swoops in and uh, saves a i don't know if they win the game but i'll take uab yeah i saw a report today that said bill clark and the uab athletics director has not been contacted by anyone in the coaching wow. Now, how true that is, I don't know, but the athletic directors generally get phone calls, don't they? Um, and apparently the UAB AD has not gotten a single call about talking to Bill Clark. Lane Kiffin's distracted. Ole Miss message boards are going to melt down because his team's going to look bad. And, uh, yeah, so I'll take UAB with the defense plus the 7.5. Cincinnati or Memphis is 9.5 at home against Cincinnati, a exact rematch of last week. I'll go Cincinnati again. How about a distracted Mike Norvell also? And uh, getting nine and a half points, yeah, I'll take that. Boise State minus 13 and a half against Hawaii. Uh, why not? Rain, uh, no, Boise State, Harson, Harson rolls. Harson rolls, the, the cold uh, Boise and Hawaii teams, probably snow on the ground or an icy field. Yeah, I'll take the Broncos. Georgia LSU, Georgia uh, LSU's getting are given a touchdown. 
I'll take that touchdown, man. I think uh, Georgia will not be able to match the explosiveness of LSU in this game. There's just not enough offensively in DeAndre Swift. I mean, is he playing? Have we gotten an official word on that? I have not seen. So, at best, he's banged up. Georgia's not explosive on offense. LSU is. I'll take the explosive offense to cover the seven points. I'm going to go Georgia here because I think they have more to prove. And this is the last two years they've been kind of in this game. And everyone's like, can they actually hang with Alabama? And they have and probably should have won either if not both games. Um, or at least I guess that was the case last year. Um, I think I'm going to go Georgia. I think they have a lot more to prove. I think they'll control the game. And I think Kirby throws up down his leg late and they lose by less than seven. Um <laughs> Ohio State minus 16 against Wisconsin. Ohio State's rolled over everyone I've seen them play. I'm going Ohio State. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think once they get into the playoffs, it's interesting because I think Ohio State in the secondary is not as good as some people want to give them credit for. Uh, But Wisconsin doesn't have anybody that scares you vertically. So, yeah, Ohio State will dominate. But the playoff is where it gets funky. Shea Patterson had success through the air against Ohio State. And he struggled against everybody. There's something weird with their secondary and uh, we just won't know for a few weeks. Last one, Virginia and Clemson. Clemson's minus 28.5. I'm going to go with the Hoos here. I think that's too many. I think they're good enough. I know Clemson's rolled everybody. But, I mean, that's a 9-3 and three Virginia team. I think they keep that close-ish. 28.5, good Lord. That's a massive line. I'm th- I think Clemson covers late, though. Wow. Uh, Buffalo, I, we're going to the NFL now. Buffalo Plus six at home against the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens have rolled everybody. Buffalo's defense has been way better at home. I'll go Josh Allen again. They're riding high. Why not? The Ravens are due for a letdown. We got one a few weeks ago with uh, Cleveland. And I don't think it happens this week, though. Buffalo's going to come back down to earth. Those nine wins, like it, if you're winning nine games at this point in the NFL, you're a good football team. But if you look at who they came against, it posted uh, off a bad schedule. But yeah. you got to beat bad teams. Like I guess you get some credit for that. Their best hey, the Saints got week. smoked by the Falcons at home a few weeks ago. So, I mean, bad teams can still beat you in the NFL. Well, uh, Green Bay is a 13-point home favorite over Washington. I don't think Green Bay is one that good, and Washington is not that bad. I'll actually go Washington here. I don't really know why, but that's a huge number. It's a big number, but I'll go with Green Bay. They're still on the hunt for home field throughout and have to – well, they're not going to get San Francisco because that'll be Dallas since they're going to be below 500. But they're still in the hunt to get home field throughout. I think they'll be focused and play well and cover. Houston's minus eight and a half against Denver at home. Denver's got a really good defense. Drew Locke looked okay last week, but I, I don't see how they score enough uh, here. I think I'd go Houston. Yeah, same here. Same reasons. New Orleans matchup of the day. That's a 12 o'clock game. New Orleans is minus two and a half at home against the Niners. I think the Niners win this game outright. I think there's a couple of flaws with the Saints that I'm a little bit worried about. I think the Niners, even in a loss last week, played. They play, I mean, there are no moral victories and all that in the NFL, but they played Baltimore about as well as anybody can play anybody. I think they're playing pretty well. I think I like San Francisco in this. I think I do, too. It pains me to say it, but uh, the Saints' offensive line is really banged up right now. Drew Brees is not exactly mobile. He moves well in the pocket, obviously, but uh, 49ers' defensive line is significantly better than the five guys that the Saints are going to roll out there with Andrus Pete and Teron Armstead both out for this game. Uh, big day for DJ Jones and all those dudes up front for the 49ers. Uh, give Drew Brees all kinds of shit. The Saints' offense will not move the football very well. Probably a low-scoring game. I'm thinking like 17-10, something like that. 
But I think the Niners will, unfortunately, I think they'll win. Bengals plus seven on the road at Cleveland. Ugh. I think the Browns probably bounce back, but the Bengals did get their first win last week. I don't really know what to make of this. Ugh, this is if you were actually betting on this stuff, it would this would be stay away central. Yeah, the uh, Browns are a dumpster fire, man. Freddie Kitchens. I, I said Jerry Jones was a clown. He's not a bigger clown than Freddie Kitchens. Wearing that shirt that he did and then doing it after the game as well, and like, I mean, what a joke that dude is. Have a, a have a microcosm, Rippy, of uh, self awareness. Yeah, I uh, I I agree. But a touchdown against the Bengals, Andy Dalton's back. I'm gonna go with the Red Rocket. Why not? I guess I'll take Cleveland, but uh, I'm not happy about it. Yeah, just Cleveland touchdown against anybody in the end. Ugh. Uh, Atlanta's minus three at home against Carolina. Carolina just fired Ron Rivera. I think you just got to go Atlanta here because the 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 Panthers appear to just be an absolute free fall. Yeah, I'm surprised that uh, they won't shut down Christian McCaffrey. I mean, maybe that'll come in a couple of weeks, but they've got nothing to play for right now. And, uh, yeah, I'll go with the Falcons here. Dan Quinn's trying to save his job. Uh, Minnesota minus 12 and a half at home against Detroit. I think Minnesota responds against a bad team and beats the hell out of the Lions and whoever the hell they have at quarterback. Same here. New York Jets minus five and a half against the Dolphins. Way too many. Jets are a bad team. They played well at home. They played well at home for a couple of weeks, but the Dolphins are scrappy. I'm going to go Miami here. Yeah, Fitzmagic's going to get another big contract that he doesn't really deserve. One of the more fascinating ones of the week, Tampa Bay minus three and a half at home against Indianapolis. Indianapolis, not really the same team they were at the beginning of the year. They don't have T.Y. Hill and offensive line's a little bit banged up. They just, uh, I don't think, I say offensive line, I meant Brissett is not 100% healthy. I think it's going to come out at the end of the year that he played the second half of the year with some kind of really bad injury. I'm going to go Tampa here. Jameis Winston and them are balling. I, uh, is it enough to get Jameis a new contract with Tampa or anywhere else? I'm tending to lean yes now with the way he's played the last four weeks. Uh, I'll go uh, Tampa here. Yeah, I think he will get that uh, extension with Tampa. Um, somehow, some way, the coaches there like him. It's mind-blowing. I know he's played pretty well. He turns the football over too much. The squinting thing, it, it, that blows me away. Because he clearly can't see. So how is he supposed to read defenses that move as fast as they do in the NFL when he can't read a scoreboard? Yeah, I think you're going to have to go with the classic uh, wild Rick Vaughn type deal and get the guys. Give him the rec specs, man. I mean, he needs something. I've never understood how Florida State and now the NFL lets him obviously have a hard time seeing and not do something about it. Yeah, I don't get that either. It was interesting. If you had asked me after the London game, they went and played Carolina in London. He turned it over six times, and Bruce Arians looked like he might cry on the sideline. I was like, well, Jameis is done. This is over. But he's responded pretty well. I think he probably gets that extension. Um, Jacksonville's plus three and a half at home against the Chargers. Oh, man, this is going to be a rock fight. Uh, I'll go Jacksonville because Minshew's starting, and the Phil Rivers and the Chargers are a mess. Yeah, how about uh, Gardner Minshew? Nick Foles got a big, fat deal, and he's going to be a backup. I mean, for the foreseeable future. Oh, man. They should have known that. That's their fault. I know he won a Super Bowl, but they should have known that the Nick Foles that we always knew he was was who he was going to be. Yeah, I tend to agree. He's had a fascinating career because he, he killed it with the Eagles, went to the Rams with a disaster, and then now, like, renaissance his career with the Eagles. Now he not doesn't seem to be very good again. Maybe they rushed him back for the injury a little bit. I don't really know, but yeah. I'm going to go Jacksonville. 
Um, New England and Kansas City, 325 marquee game. New England's minus three. I don't trust New England. I'm going Kansas City. They they just they don't look very good. They're the worst, maybe the worst ten and two team ever. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Even though that defense is really really good, I know what happened with Baltimore and Houston, but they're still really good. So I guess I'll take them to be a contrarian to you. I wouldn't touch it though. Oakland plus three at home against the rejuvenated Tennessee Titans under Ryan Tannehill. Uh, the loser of this is, well, if the Titans' playoff chances go pretty far down if they lose this, though, if they beat Houston twice, they're okay. If Oakland loses this, whatever slim playoff chances they have are pretty much over. I'm not going to go against the Titans here with the way they've been playing, I don't think. Yeah, me either. I think Tennessee actually has a shot to make the playoffs here. Yeah, I mean, if they make it, if, if, Mike Tomlin should win Coach of the Year if the Titans are kept out of the playoffs because that would be remarkable. The L.A. Rams and the Seahawks are a pick em at in L.A. Uh, at the Coliseum. I'm going to go Seahawks. I don't think the Rams are any good. I think last week was an anomaly. Golf was better, but they just own Arizona. Arizona's offensive line literally just couldn't block L.A. up front. But I, I, I still don't think L.A. is a very good football team this year. I'm going to go Seattle. Yeah, same here. And uh, they're going to be a fit in the, in the wild card game. Philadelphia, Monday night football, minus nine at home against Eli Manning and the New York Giants. See, I don't think the Eagles should be favoring by nine against anyone. They just lost to the Dolphins, Giants, all day. Yes, sir. Eli Manning, swan song, baby. He's going to go out right off into the sunset with three wins in his final four games, and everybody's going to love him again, and that'll be it. So that's all we got for today. Uh, fade us if you must. I'll get you Greg's uh, picks this afternoon. Uh, that was oversight by me. But that was the LB's Pick'em LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Best place in Mississippi to get meat. We really appreciate Greg sponsoring the podcast. Go see him. Go get some meat. Go throw something on the grill and demand some gambling locks while you're at it. He'll appreciate it. He, uh, he appreciated the shout-out on Monday's show about him taking Duck Hodges and the Bengals' money line. He texted me on Sunday all fired up about that. So Greg's got it going on right now in the meat world and in Vegas. So go see him. Um, if uh, Unless you got anything else, I'm going to get out of here. I got to get a haircut so I look fly at this wedding. Pretty sick Instagram upcoming. Oh, I can't wait to see it. I hope it's a selfie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe it'll get me out of the doghouse if I post an Instagram. So anyway, that I permanently live in. But anyway, we'll be back at it on Monday. This has been Mailbag Friday. I appreciate you guys listening. If you like what you heard, rate and review the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends merch coming all kinds of stuff. Um, but we will be back at it on Monday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.